What a moment. What a moment for Taylor Davis. First major league home run. Show and go for Friday, January 20th, and we've got a very, very fun interview. It was fun for us, and I think it's going to be a really fun listen. Dylan Cease, right-hander for the Chicago White Sox, the American League Cy Young Award runner-up to Justin Verlander, who we talked about, man. I mean, first ballot Hall of Famer, and you're in the same breath as him during the 2022 season. This is inarguably one of the best pitchers in baseball, and hopping on that Zoom, talking to him for the 45 minutes that we did, you really don't take that away, that, that he carries himself like one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's just a normal dude that happens to be really good at throwing a ball. Yeah, no I, no doubt. And we, I think uh, we actually kind of talked about that in the podcast a little bit um, about how, uh, you know, <clears throat> those, those guys are real. They're real people, man. But, yeah, he's, he's exciting to watch on the mound. And uh, hopefully people think he's exciting to listen to also. He's also like curious, you know, and, and that's probably my favorite thing about this. You know, there was there was probably more non-baseball talk in here than you typically get on an interview with a baseball player. Like we talked about, obviously, a his really disc good golf, baseball player, a really good baseball player. Right. I mean, obviously, you live and breathe baseball, but there have to be avenues where you get away from the game a little bit. And, and he talked about that. I know it's been written about that. He's a big uh, disc golf guy. He loves Frisbee golf. Um, we unpacked a couple of other things with him that he likes doing to just take his mind off of it. I'm curious, you know, height of the season. Are you a reader? Like, how do you get your mind off of baseball? Or do you even try to get your mind off of baseball? Do you just let it take over when you're at the ballpark? I try to read a little bit. It's tough. You know, it's tough. Uh, for the most part, though, yeah, like I don't <clears> – I, I love it, man. I, I kind of buy in the, that whole – like I love 24 hours of baseball, to be honest with you. Um, I, I would say that more or less like <clears throat> I really spend my off days getting away from the game, and it's more just like me time or like my, my family, right? Like we'll right. go to the zoo or we'll go uh, – you know, spend a day seeing the city, getting breakfast, getting lunch, getting dinner, that whole thing. Like, I think the the one thing that I have always tried to do is, like, make off days, make day games as normal for my family as we could. So, mm -hmm. like, what are you going to – what is a normal family going to do on a, on a day that they don't have to go to work? They're going to go to the zoo. They're going to go to lunch. Things they couldn't do normally. Um, and so I really try to to do that probably to be fair to my wife, more fair to my wife, but, right. uh, you know, yeah, I, I think, I think, but I will say though, that like, because I am so baseball driven during the season, I think that's one reason that like, I really just try to hammer the off days. Like, let's, yeah. let's take that as my, as my release. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, Dylan, he's got some of those things where he can get away maybe on a game day, probably not on a start day. And it might honestly be easier to separate as a pitcher, right? Because you've got one yeah. day where you are mentally on. And then, you know, the other four days in your five-day rotation, obviously you're taking care of your stuff, but, you know, you, you've got some time yeah. to maneuver as opposed to a, a, a position player that's, you know, got to be all systems go. You don't have to perform that night. So, like, the stuff that happens before you get to the field can be a little different. I mean, it's not like you're going to go wild before you go to the field. But if you do something that takes your mind off the game a little bit, that's all right. Because when you get to the field, you're not going to be asked to perform tonight and, and help the team win the game on the field. Now, 
that doesn't mean that you gotta, you still gotta be able to get your work done. <clears throat> right. Um, you know, so as long as you can get your work done that day, I think it's, it's, yeah, whatever, whatever you need to do. Last thing before we hop into our conversation with Dylan Cease, y- you came up with him, right? You saw him in his first year of professional baseball, his first full year of professional baseball. He was drafted as a Tommy John guy. He went a couple rounds later than uh, when he should have gone at a high school in Georgia. He was committed to Vandy, you know, of course, opted to go the MLB route. It's worked out wonderfully for him. We talk about the bonus pool money that he got. He just came in at a, a great arbitration number, which was really cool to see. Uh, but I mean, this guy has transformed into one of the best pitchers in baseball and arguably the nastiest pitcher in baseball. My my last question for you before we talk to him is, did you really see this coming? Yeah, yeah. The the uh, Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say is that um, <clears throat> the fastball was always real. <clears throat> the <clears throat> the curveball was always real. And he had enough of it mentally for me um, that I could see him being a very, very talented pitcher. As we talked about, he's really he's really curious. He really wants to learn. Um, so he's going to get better because of that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean – you know, when I saw like I like, like we'll talk about. You know, I saw him in the upper nineties as a as a mate. I think he was twenty. So like, with a curveball that was as good as 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 any I'd seen. Uh, now, I don't think I, I I've always like look. I didn't know he was gonna become. The, I mean, like let's be honest. If he does, if he repeats again, he's a two hundred million dollar pitcher. Correct. So, so like. I don't know that anybody saw that, but I definitely saw a guy that was an ace of a staff. And um, I think I think a lot of people, when the Cubs made that trade, looked at that trade and said, man, Eloy's really good, but we have a bunch of bats. You just gave up a guy that could be a number one. And I think we're seeing that he's turning himself into a number one. Yeah, you know, being in Chicago at that time, right? And like I'm if I'm well ingrained in in any org, it's the Cubs and White Sox, right? Because that's what I grew up with. I've met these Cubs and White Sox people. I just genuinely love keeping tabs on that. So when a deal like that goes down, I'm naturally going to talk to everybody that I can talk to, right? And, and I'm talking about the Kimbrel deal for Madrigal and Hoyer. I had conversations with people about that, the, the Tapera deal, even something as small as that. But Something of that magnitude, I was just fascinated by because Jose Quintana was a guy that I loved watching growing up. Um, and I was like, wow, this is great that he's going to stay in my city. Like I can still go watch Jose Quintana throw. Um, naturally, you look at the prospect return. And Eloy Jimenez was like a top 50 prospect in baseball. He would make the ascension to top 10 prospect in baseball the year after. Um, Eloy was the centerpiece. But then you had this Dylan Cease who, you know, w- was almost... I don't want to say an afterthought because he was certainly a large part of this, but he was the second fiddle in that deal because he was farther off. But I'm with you, man. The helium that I think everybody knew that guy had and the fact that he reached the heights that that helium could take him is really, really impressive. So without further ado, Dylan Cease. We just gave you the whole like intro spiel off the top of the pod, but here he is, Dylan Cease, the Cy Young runner-up in the American League this past year, current Chicago White Sox flamethrower and a former minor league uh, what organization mate of Taylor Davis. This is how that yes. connect came to be, right? Taylor, yep. what are your first memories of a, of a young Dylan Cease? <laughs> so my first memories are interesting, man. So uh, let's see. I first ran into Dylan 
after he got drafted, we I was rehabbing. I got hurt in 2016. I hurt my wrist, and he yep. was um, in Arizona also, and I spent like a couple months there. And so we hung out a little bit, and then I ended up going to short season to play a little bit where he was. And so, But you were um, AAA. I think you were double or AAA at the time, though, right? Yes, I had been in my first year in AAA was 2015, and uh, but I wasn't on the 40 man roster. And so, fun fact for the listeners if you're not on the 40 man roster, you can't just rehab anywhere. You could only at the time you could only rehab in short seasons. Um, I don't know what you can do now since there's no short season, but uh, anyway, so I go to Eugene, um, and uh, yeah, I I think I caught one, I caught one of your outings. Well, I got to catch an outing. Um, it wasn't as exciting. I think it was like in the playoff hunt too. You were like our new ringer, you know. <laughs> I, all I know is I got a hit in my first two at bats, and then I didn't get a hit the rest of my rehab stint. So I was ready to get out of UG. Okay, that's what I remember. Yeah, man. Hey, Dylan, what are your first memories of uh, of savvy veteran Taylor Davis of the Eugene Emeralds? I think uh, just like picking his brain and being like, I, I was so new in in baseball at that point. So the fact that he had climbed up through all the levels, I think I just remember like asking him like hey what's this place like like what is that level of baseball like um you know kind of like uh probably like a pesky like little brother you know <laughs> totally no, it was good it was good you know i think i do think you know one thing to point out like let's let's point out the elephant in the room like dylan's got great stuff so like i think one thing that was interesting about our conversations a lot of conversations i have with pitchers um when we talk about trying to get guys out like has to do with with game plan and stuff like that and a lot of the stuff that me and dylan talked about was more just on how do you be the best Dylan Cease, and yeah. um, I think that clearly you're on you're on the right track. You know you're you're doing you're doing it. Um, you know, you. and Jack, I'll tell I'll tell you this, dude. Like I do remember, you know, we knew I, I knew Dylan was a was a big prospect. We all you know I knew his signing bonus when he got it right. So like, <laughs> uh, but I I didn't get to see him pitch. Right, he was one of the guys that he signed, and he signed uh, needing TJ. Yeah, and so. Um, I didn't get to see him see him throw for a while. And I remember when I got to Eugene, I asked some of the guys, I was like, Hey, like, how does Dylan look? How's he been looking? Cause I always liked him as a person, but I never got to see him pitch. Um, and I just remember somebody come up to me and go, yeah, uh, his last dying was pretty good. Uh, really? Oh yeah. Well, you know, how'd he do? Well, he was, uh, he was like 98 to 101 uh, through five innings. So I was like, <laughs> all right. Yeah, we'll be all right. Uh, you know what, Dylan? I do remember this. Uh, Dylan hit a guy in the head with a curveball. The game I caught him. I do remember that. Uh, we were in. I think we were in Everett. Um, but it, uh, uh, but anyway, huh? I don't remember that. Was it a righty or lefty? Let's see if we can righty. spur my memory a little righty. bit. Righty. It was a righty. We'll have to go look it up. Yeah, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure you hit a guy in the head with a with a curveball because it was like eighty. It was like eighty four, and like that's as hard as most people's fastballs. I just remember right. this guy going to the ground, and I'm thinking in my head like, "Dude, we hit you with a curveball. Like, get up. You're all right." Yeah. You know? Way, way better than getting hit with a heater. Hey, Dylan, Taylor just mentioned something interesting, and I kind of want to start there. I kind of want to work forward. And you were a TJ guy right after the draft. And, you know, so much of the conversation around baseball, I mean, starting with a super loaded question, right? But so much of the conversation around baseball and pitching, and especially pitching at the highest level, where your stuff is the grossest that you will find it. Super, super loaded question, but are are you almost thankful that you got it out of the way? Because so many guys, it, it almost feels like that surgery, you just got to get it out of the way. I know McClanahan was the same yeah. way at USF. So many examples of guys getting getting it young and then probably not dealing with any more issues for the majority of their career. Yeah, I think um, 
I mean, I wish I had known a little bit more about how to how to take care of myself better. But I mean, I was I was just a kid, you know, so I can't really be myself too much, beat my myself too much about that. But um, no, I think I think everything worked out. Uh, it would have been more ideal if I if I had not gotten it and I would still be healthy now. But uh, I, I think there's actually really strong evidence of um, like guys getting it young and and having it last a good while. So, um, you know, I'm I'm. I'm just thankful it's it's held out and uh, I've gotten this far with it. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the the conversation in baseball and the conversation maybe even in the medical community to be honest with you has kind of shifted from like oh he's had TJ to oh he's already had Tommy John. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, because because the 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 medicine, you know, the the doctors are so good, the surgery is you know the people that you're going to which like, you know, kind of a cool thing but kind of a wild thing too that like if you get Tommy John, if you're a major league starting pitcher and you get Tommy John, chances are you're getting it by like one of four guys and we can yeah. list all four guys. So like those four guys are so talented at what they do that teams don't worry about it anymore. Um, yep. And I think that, that you're, you, you, you're spot on, like, especially with, um, I remember hearing something about like, if you were in your twenties and you got it, it was like a eight year, window that was like your guess their guess was like hey you got eight years um but i think you're right i think as the younger you go the more your body can grow and adapt to that ucl as soon as you put it in um and so i think that it changes a little bit but um yeah i, I that was that was funny man I, I and it was so funny because like it's funny looking back at it now because i think so many people didn't know who dylan was or what dylan was or what dylan was going to be when he was with the cubs because you know even when, when before yeah. he got traded, like you didn't play that long, right? Like what a year? Uh, you had like a year and a half of I playing. Had, I had that short season, so that was what two months, and then I had half yeah. of half of low A. And so I half was of so, two years. And I had missed my senior year of high school, so right. I had missed. So I didn't pitch in what is that? Twenty fourteen, barely any in twenty fifteen. So like, I was at I was so raw and early in my career that. Uh, I mean, I, I really didn't know anything, honestly. I was just trying to pick anyone's brain and trying to like figure it out as I, as I went. So you're spot on with that. I, I was very raw. How do yeah, you feel and, like, but, yeah, no, you know, I was going to say the, the only thing that is interesting to me is you say that you're really raw, but I think if you would have broken yourself down, you weren't quite as raw as you think, like True. your movements are really clean. Yeah. Um, and, and, the reason I can say that all of the, all of that is because you pitched the exact same today as you pitched in 2016 when I caught you. Um, yeah, you're a little more polished because you've been on the mound for more innings. But the reality is, like, your mechanics are extremely similar. So, like, you you don't give yourself enough credit. You were an extremely polished high school pitcher as a high school junior, um, which is something True. really cool to say, you know? Yeah, you know, that, that kind of – transitions into my next question here because yeah it's so mechanically sound and when you think like you know disgusting stuff guys like you are you're one of the you know tippy top names that that comes to mind when you think a hey, best stuff in major league baseball here but pitchability is obviously a big thing and you you mentioned like hey you're trying to pick these guys brains when you're in the cub system and when you're working your way through the white Sox system when do you feel like you really learned how to pitch at the professional level. Was that with the Cubs or was that when you got to the upper level minors? Did it take a couple of years in major league baseball? I think, uh, I think 2021 honestly was the first year that I kind of started transitioning more into a pitcher. Um, and then this year was, this year was the peak of, you know, 
I guess a more mature mindset and understanding of how everything worked. But up and before then, I, I feel like I was just in try to figure it out mode. Um, and then, yeah, 2021 is where I really feel like I, I started getting a good base. And then that's when I got to start working with Ethan Katz, our pitching coach, who was um, who just did a really good job of of laying down like the areas I needed to improve on. Um, so, uh, yeah, like before that, it was I always was a stuff guy and, um, you know, I, I would kind of figure my way through things, but I was never. I don't know. It didn't really click a lot. I feel like, especially. Uh, so I killed it in double A triple. I didn't do well. My first couple of years in the big leagues, I didn't do well. Yeah. And, um, you know, I feel like there was just that sort of that learning curve where I met that, I met that time where just stuff alone couldn't get the job done. There had to be the next phase of yeah. using it properly and figuring out how to adapt and figuring out basically what needed to be done. So 2021 for me is the first year that stands out. Got you. What actually clicked for you? Like without revealing any state secrets or anything yeah. like, Hey, no, 2020 yeah. going into 21. Yeah. Um, so Ethan had got me on, on this device called the core velocity belt. And basically his whole thing was teaching, was showing me how to use my legs properly because I had historically been a good fastball rod guy, but I had lost that in like the couple years I'd been in the big leagues. I was getting a lot of cut and my, my fastball was flat. So he got me on that. And basically my whole career up to that, I had thought mechanically, like I was just wired to like, for whatever reason, that's how I like to think, um, which I actually would not recommend looking back, but um, I was a very mechanical thinker. Like I needed to do this with my body and this and that to create this. Whereas once I got on the core velo belt and I got that feel and that showed me the right, the right way, I then started transitioning to where am I aiming uh, where do I need to start the ball to get it in the strike zone? Like little things like that that are subtle but make a world of difference. Yeah, I think I think you're a you know you're relatively a, a big thinker in general. Like your lifestyle, right? Really? Like you're a big thinker, and yeah. so I think one interesting part about what you just said is that um, you didn't change away from yourself. You didn't stop thinking. You just figured out what to think about. Exactly. Um, and I think, and I think that's awesome. super important. I think I tell guys all the time that like, I think so few people, uh, elite athletes included know exactly what they do. I think we all know what we think and we know what we think to make us do those right moves. Yep. And the guys that know that better know themselves. I've always said, like, if you know yourself the best, those are the best baseball players. Yep. You know, it's 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 not necessarily anything other than that, and it's figuring out what to think. That's that's what it is to me. I, that's a great statement. Yep. So you know, obviously, Taylor just pointed out that you're a big thinker. Obviously, you're a big disc golf player as well. Um, I can't that, know that. I can't guarantee you I'm a big thinker, but I can guarantee you I'm a big disc golf guy. Okay. Wow. So I didn't even know that. Yeah, man. Uh, two-parter. That was what? In the Sun-Times. I think the Sun-Times just tried to unpack Dylan Cease, and so much of that was disc golf. But um, yeah, two-part question. Number one, uh, best disc golf score. Number two, and it's much broader. I expect a longer answer for number two. How else do you kind of disconnect from baseball? Because obviously, as a professional baseball player, you need those concrete disconnects to probably stay sane. Absolutely. Um, best score with disc golf. So disc golf sort of does this rating system um, to keep it to, to make it short. I've shot under under par on some courses, but it's kind of it's kind of hard to to 
quantify that because different courses have different like difficulty level. I've shot probably between a 950 to 975 rated round, which is actually pretty decent. Um, the high end, high end players will shoot like a 1050, which it's hard to explain if you don't know what it is. It sounds Not- like SAT scores. Yeah. 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 yeah you <laughs> lost me there. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll say I'm decent at disc golf, but I am not, I'm not great. And I've, I've accepted that. And now when I, when I play, I try to enjoy it, but it is, it is difficult when you're having those days, just like in baseball, it's hard to enjoy things when you're not having, you know, high, high levels of success. So uh, with, with this right-handed. Yeah, I play right-handed and I, I don't get to play too often in the off season. I'll play. Like the first six weeks that I'm not throwing, I'll be able to play maybe a couple times a week if I'm lucky. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm doing some big things in the disc golf world. Actually, we got uh, we got some some stuff coming up. Uh, Tell me, you're gonna have your own discs. Are you gonna have your own discs? Do I need to have a bag of Dylan Cease discs? I I have I've released one run of discs through Discrap. I'm trying to kind of I don't want to call it build a legacy in disc golf, but I'm trying to get really creative. Nice. Uh, you know, do some cool. really creative things um and then uh something i've gotten into recently is painting i really love painting um this season i was i was kind of at that point in the season where i was getting um a little worn out and i i kind of just needed a a little bit of a a pick-me-up so i went to this art museum in kansas city and i just remember being like super inspired and and blown away by um a lot of the art I was seeing. And then the fact that there was so much history behind it, where some of the stuff was painted in the 1400s, the 1600s. Yeah. Uh, I, I left there feeling so invigorated. I was like, man, I, I got to give this thing a try. And I, I don't, I say I don't have any artistic ability, but I've actually produced some art that I'm very proud of. So. Yeah. I'm, you, you definitely, you definitely seem like a guy that has some artistic, like I could see you being Bob Ross, no doubt. Oh, <laughs> uh, I want to. I want to actually learn some technical ability with it because right now my painting is totally just like perseverance and effort because it's uh, not the most natural thing for me. But man, I've had so much fun doing it. Yeah. So painting this this season, I also spent a lot of time um, researching permaculture and uh, some different like agricultural stuff. Uh, it, I kind of have a dream of owning a or or paying for an orchard, some sort of like fruit. Um, wide variety of of fruit orchard um which i don't know exactly what that would manifest into like a farmer's market or just you pick or just something personal i don't know but uh i've got a really big desire to do something in the agricultural space as well so that just screams curiosity right like you are you are a very curious person and i think that has always been the case right like i mean and, and Ethan Katz probably loves that, right? I know White Sox fans love that about you. And I know that that probably drives you to gain more knowledge about Dylan Cease, the pitcher. And I've, I've talked yeah. to codify Michael Fisher uh, on a different podcast and, you know, he's raved about you. Where does curiosity fit into your, like your daily schedule as a starting pitcher in major league baseball? How are you always trying to find that new gear to improve? I would say, and this is one thing that I added this year. Um, I think a lot of that curiosity comes from a desire to create. I, I can only explain it as like having this sort of um, like creative energy that if I don't express it, it kind of can turn negative. Like it, it can sort of turn into doubts or whatever. So the more that I use that energy 
like consciously to create something, the better I am. So this year I started, I started uh, visualizing and keeping a journal with it because my initial thought it was last off season. I was kind of struggling with some things. So I, I decided to start visualizing. My initial thought would be, it would be really cool to visualize and sort of track what I'm visualizing and write it down and then turn it into a book one day. If I were to have, you know, a lot of success, so I kept a, I kept a journal of it all season. I don't know if I'd ever release it because it ends up it ends up almost kind of turning into like a diary. And I don't know if I'd want the world to know like my super inner workings. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I think just visualizing and sort of like being creative in that sense and like sort of setting a direction for how I want things to go and want to be in all that um, can really help. You've always, one thing that struck me, one reason I think I really liked you from the beginning was you always wanted to learn. Um, you, yes. you know, uh, it, admittedly, there were times where you were not the smartest guy in the room when you first got out of high school. Like most of the Jeff, time, this guy, he was, he was the funny kid, right? Like you were the funny kid. And that's, that's, which is why I think a lot of people didn't take you serious with the Cubs. Yeah. Not take well, you serious. That's not the right word. That's not the right word. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, was, they didn't see the potential. I think a lot of it too is just, just being a kid i mean i didn't go to college so like it was like straight from being this kind of just young high school kid to you know with with college kids so um i think a little bit of that like i wasn't exactly the most mature stage of my life anyways you know so yeah, like but you weren't but you weren't super immature and and i think that's why like to me it was because you wanted to learn like you were interested true. in learning it, it didn't matter necessarily what it was about um that's and, and I think the creativity makes complete sense now because you didn't really yeah. care. You wanted to be mentally stimulated, um, yeah. which yeah. I'm sure helps you in the in the pitching game, right? Like you can't go through a pregame and not be mentally stimulated, and vice versa. You're not going to go through the game and do the same thing. Um, yeah. But uh, but it's it's super interesting. It's really cool for me. You know, I don't know. It's it's been a while since we've even talked, but like it's really cool for me to hear you have continued this path. I think it's a cool, uh, you know, this is, you're still the same yeah, Dylan Cease, you know, and that's on the that's, flip side, a, a little more, yeah. uh, just a little more experienced me. Well, you've learned, you've, you've done what you've Absolutely. wanted to do. You know, you, you did. And, and that's something that a lot of people can't say that they did. A lot of people can't say that um, on top of the fact that you're living your dream, hopefully. And, 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 you know, you're, you're performing, like you're also getting to do what you want to do outside of baseball. And that's True. really cool. And I think a lot of people forget that baseball players have lives outside of the game and that that's important also. And that guys that can't do stuff away from the field, guys that can't um, figure it out away from the field, it eats you up. And, and you know what I mean? And, and that can totally change you. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a guy that I love baseball. I love everything about baseball. The field is, is everything for me. So that's fine. Um, but there are plenty of people, as you know, that like, Hey, I got to get away and I got to get away for a while. And I got to, if I'm, when I'm away, if I'm not doing something um, to get better, to better myself, um, I'm going to go nuts. And, and I tell people all the time, you know, like, and I think you, you, you know this, but like a lot of, uh, you know, getting through a season is like the, the statement of getting through a season is like, is real for a lot of people. Like yes. 162 games is a long time. It's not, for most people, for people like me, yeah, it's sick. Like, I want to get to a chance where I could do that. I want to get up and down, whatever. But the guys that are in the big leagues, you're in the big leagues all year long, it's not a cakewalk. Like, playing every single day, yeah, you know, the, the don't get me wrong. 
you're staying in really nice places. You're flying on nice planes. You're eating good food, but you're away from your family a lot. You're traveling every third. You have no free time. You're, you have you're no free time. You're plugged into you're plugged into high intensity, high intensity battle for eight months out of the year, where you know basically everything you do matters. Yep. Yeah. Uh, everything. Everything. And and so and Jack, I don't even know. I'm gonna probably I'm gonna probably transition into something else here because I. I wanted to talk about this because I think it's super interesting. Um, and Dylan, this is funny. My wife actually had the idea to bring you on because she read an article um, about uh, how you were the you were the top earner in the in the bonus pool. And yep. so she was like reading it. And she's like, "Man, don't you know Dylan?" And I was like, "Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's all we called." <laughs> but like, one thing I want to point out about that is like, that's really cool. I think that's awesome. Obviously, yeah. it's all sick. It's cool for you. Awesome. Yeah. But like. One thing I want the fans to know is like, by no means did that help you succeed. Like by no means did you look at that and go, man, I got to make this extra $2 million in the bonus. Right. Like all that that did was give you money that you rightfully earned because you performed better than you were paid to perform. Um, But I do think it's really cool. And it's a really cool thing for you. I think you're going to be in the history books for it. I hope you're in the history books for it. Um, But it's, it's a, it's a cool thing to talk about and a cool thing. Um, that happened, you know, for you. Yeah. And it's allowed me, it, it's kind of given me the freedom. Like I was able to come back and I, I am, I'm a big guy who's kind of, con- I'm constantly finding the new hobbies or passions or whatever. So it just gave me a little bit of uh, like money, or a little bit of room to breathe. So like I built a koi pond behind my house. I, that's <laughs> like super relaxing that I love. Um, and then I was able to do the disc golf course and, and, you know, without like, if I didn't get the bonus, maybe I don't get to do stuff like that, but, uh, you're right. It, it, it is, it is something that, and I always hate to say like rightfully this and rightfully that, because it's just hard. It can be hard if you have that mindset, you, you can always feel like you, um, you are shorted, which that does happen a lot in the game of baseball for being honest. Um, but it is, it is nice to be it is nice to be rewarded for, for high performance, you know, especially when you're, when you are on league minimum and you, and you make all your starts and you go out and you grind and don't get me wrong. League minimum is a lot of money, but it's uh, after taxes and after spending money at living in expensive cities, it's not, it's definitely not uh, as much as I think people would think it is. Well, and yeah, you want to take care it, of people too. Yeah, you absolutely. Take care of people. You know, you, you have to do that. That's people took care of you. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, the other part of this is like, let's take, you know, people want to talk about, at least I like to talk about market value. Like the reality is that, um, the money that we're talking about is market value. So like when people look at, um, any of these contracts that are, you know, guys getting 30, $40 million a year, that's market value. You're only worth as much as somebody else will pay you. Yes. But what I'll tell you is that you performed at a level that was higher than your market value. And it was proven to be higher than your market value because the guy that was one step above you was making 30 something million dollars last year. So yeah, yeah, you got $2 million and that's fantastic. And that's awesome. But you pitched and you gained significantly more value to that. And that was not the number that you were getting paid prior was not a number that you agreed to. It was a number that was, that it was mandated. Right. Um, And so, and like you said, a lot of money we agree to it in the cba it's fantastic um but it's not 35 million dollars um and yeah. so i do it's think not even it's, a couple it's, million it's right. it's, right. it's not enough it's uh i mean it's a lot but it's not enough to 
to like put it's a not, dent in living the rest of your life, you know, right. you're not life changing money, you know? No. So something that I want to point to and, and Taylor just mentioned it, right? I mean, you know, the, the guy ahead of you, the only guy ahead of you in American League Cy Young voting is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He just signed a deal for 43 million AAV, like stupid, stupid money. Yep. That start that you made at home against Houston, I want to say August 16, it was Cease and Verlander. Like that was the matchup. That was the pitching matchup of the year in Major League Baseball. Did you have the thought in the back of your mind like, damn, this is this is almost a welcome to the big leagues moment four years into my major league career. Like, what were your thoughts going into that start? Well, it was, uh, I was doing, a, answering a lot of media up to that start because it was, it was before the start even. I mean, like, I felt like even a week before and it was already being hyped as, you know, whoever wins this is going to win the Cy Young kind of thing. Um, I guess it almost, it really almost doesn't feel real in a sense because, like he was like a guy that when I was a kid, I was like watching him and rooting for him. So right. um, to be going up against him, yeah, it, uh, it, it's very surreal and, and hard to explain. Um, so you don't think those guys are real. You don't think those guys are real. Yeah. I, I remember like the first time I walked into a big league clubhouse and like I saw some guys that I had watched growing up. And I just remember thinking like, and my dad always said this, right? Like I always thought my dad always said like, look, everybody puts a chance on one leg at a time. Like it's they're the exact same guy as you. And like, but you don't realize that you see these people on TV and you see them making $40 million. And you're like, these, this isn't, these people aren't real. They're not real people. Like, yep. I you always, think they're perfect. Even, yeah. I always remember even thinking like from a playing aspect, I remember thinking like they must have like another pitch. Like when you get to the big leagues, you got something, you got, there's something else. There's something yep. else that you're three out. No. they're they're just people and it's the exact same thing but it is extremely hard to understand that concept even when you're in it as you just said like you're on the mound standing next to these guys and um you have no idea because they're the same guy you're the guy you have a chance to be just as good as that guy you know and how cool is that um i don't know it's a it's a really interesting concept but like i've always felt like it, it they don't seem real it's they seem like fictional characters you know like like jack said he's a first battle hall of famer he guys one of the best pitchers of the generation um and for you to be on the mound against him that's 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 with that kind of fanfare around the start right i mean it, it's right. something like hey you know you're getting your cup of coffee in the big leagues and oh justin verlander happens to be on the other side it is the marquee matchup of the month in major league baseball right. and you were a part of that yeah honestly I, it's uh you know, now that you bring it up, I, I haven't even really reflected on it that much because I think I think baseball is just so much. What are you doing for me now that I, I'm I'm just focused on like now? What do I have to do to like show up next year and be better next year? But um, yeah, it's it's cool you guys bring that up. I I hadn't thought about that in and in, uh, in a while, and it uh, it definitely definitely is uh, not not a very common experience. Yeah. So natural follow-up question. What are you doing to get better for next year? Ooh, I've been, uh, I've been spending a lot of time working on my changeup. So, um, basically, basically right now I'm in the phase of just, just training arm speed with it. Um, I'm not super concerned with the movement profile or anything like that. I haven't been off the mound or anything. So right now I'm tra- training arm speed and I'm visualizing basically the movement and, and how I want it to be. So, um, I just, you know, you watch guys like Scherzer and, and all these guys that have these nasty changeups. And uh, for me, it's, it's, if I added a changeup, 
it would take me to a whole nother level. And if I improve my fastball command, it'll take me to a whole nother level. So, um, you know, right now I'm really focusing on the changeup, but the fastball command will also have to be a big focus. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I'm mean, honestly a little bit of that'll like go go hand in hand because you 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 get you get your fastball command, you're going to get to go deeper into games. But for you to go deeper into games, you've got to have that third solidified pitch. So yep. if you can go like it would almost be a it would almost be like a double edged sword. Like if you can go deeper into games without that third pitch, it may be worse for you. So like you're dead on. Like you get that third pitch and you're in the seventh inning. Like yeah, that's fun facing ninety nine in the seventh. Yeah, so I, I get it. That's that's kind of scary if I'm a if I'm a hitter. That's scary. Hey, Dylan, last one for me. I mean, that that pitching staff in Chicago is full of characters. And obviously, yeah. you know, th- thoughts with Liam right now is, you know, gonna fight like hell. And I know he's gonna join you guys very, very quickly. Um, but you know, you've got a Liam who had his own tarot card reader and Lucas Giolito, who obviously is, you know, a, a high-level thinker. It's been well documented as well. And Lance Lynn, who is a badass and I, I'm just curious how you guys work off of each other and, and how much confidence you derive from other guys on that staff. Yeah, we definitely uh, we definitely got some big personalities. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of different personality and, and different traits to sort of learn from, you know, like with Lance, the guy pitches with his balls. So you get to see you, every once every five days, you get to go and see someone who is literally just he'll throw it right down the middle. He'll tell you it's coming and he wants to challenge you like that, you know? So like, even if I don't talk to the guy, I, I learn just from watching him go out and, and compete and put it on the line. Um, then you got, you know, like, like you said, Lucas, who, who is more of a thinker and is constantly working on, you know, if, if he doesn't like where his analytics are or he wants to change something, you know, he's sitting there tinkering with it. So, um, you know, it's just a, a, a wide variety of, of guys to watch from. And then, Obviously, the biggest thing is just seeing like what is what is successful for each player and, you know, what's working well. So if if like really for me, I, Lucas and have as much success as he's had with his changeup has been a huge inspiration for me to want to to want to start throwing it. Um, so just, you know, seeing what works for guys and, and trying to dissect it and see if I can bring it to my own game is definitely big. Got you. Taylor, you got anything else? I mean, the only thing I'll add is, is uh, you know, one of the things, Dylan, that I've talked about on this podcast in the in the past was I, I brought up um, the two guys that I always bring up when I talk about this are uh, I love to bring um, Cole Hamels and John Lester into this, like, mm-hmm. situation. I love to talk about those guys because Cole Hamels and John Lester, to me, are the two guys that um, changed my mind about big game pitchers. I never really felt like that was a thing. I always felt like, oh, I have a big game pitcher, like whatever. I want the best guy out there. Yeah. And then I met John Lester. You, you've met, you know, I've met John Lester and, and Cole Hamels. And like, I, what I, you just said this about Lance Lynn. This is why I think this is perfect is like, to me, you, you are a guy that you're going to go out there every single day and you're going to know that if it's the best you, you're going to dominate that team. That's how Cole yep. Hamels is. It didn't matter. That doesn't mean you don't do your homework. That just means that you're so prepared that you get on the mound. As long as I can be the best me, it doesn't matter. And John Lester was, I don't care who's in the box. It, F you. I'm, I'm beating you. I'm better than you. That's Lance Lynn. You know what I mean? Like, I think that uh, both of those, and it just comes back to, like, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. But um, I think that both of those are necessary, and both of those are necessary on a staff to um, – yeah, it's 
awesome to have those mindsets on a staff, especially on a team that wants to go to the playoffs. Because you get those guys in the playoffs, you rally around both of those guys. Yep. You know, like it's a different rally, um, but it's cool and it's a it's a fun experience. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's one of those like it's not underrated, but you, you definitely can't like analytically look at what what that you know something like that, and it makes a world of difference. So. Um, you know, it doesn't, it definitely doesn't surprise me. I think, you know, I, I watched Cole Hamels a lot when I was young and, uh, it seemed like he was always pitching in, you know, for that Phillies team that was in the playoffs or in the world series. And, uh, yeah, I remember with Lester, just him throwing bullpens and, uh, and never missing a spot. Didn't matter what pitch it was. Crazy. Crazy. Smoothest. Yeah. Smoothest, you know, he'll throw his cutter outside perfectly every time. Um, that guy, man, that guy was good. Like that was real good. Hey, you're good too, man. Dylan Cease, this was Thank awesome. You. Thank you so much. I for appreciate joining it. Us. Yeah, thank, thank you guys for having me. <laughs>